If you're hearing that music, that means it is time for another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast brought to you by the folks at Woodward Financial Advisors. I am Ben Birkin, Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors, joined by Victor Colella, also from Woodward Financial Advisors. Victor, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Ben. Good to be back in the studio with you. That's right. And by studio, of course, we mean our respective domicile slash offices slash guest room closets. Yes, still, but hopefully not for too much longer. That's right. Hopefully closer to uh, the light than we are the middle of the tunnel. So, a lot going on right now. We're recording this the day after Groundhog Day. The last couple of weeks, there has been a lot of news related to the stock market and one stock in particular. Can you guess what it is? It's not Amazon. <laughs> I, I'll guess, Ben. I, I've heard something about this GameStop uh, company. You have, have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I have heard of it. I've shopped there. Um, before we go too much longer, we should probably throw out the disclaimer. This is going to be for educational purposes only. If we talk about tax investment or estate-related things, please contact your professional to talk about those. In particular, since we might be talking a lot about on the investing side today, anything that we talk about should not be construed as a recommendation or advice. We might possibly be talking about securities that clients of Woodward Financial Advisors own. Um, This is not meant to be a solicitation or a suggestion that you go out and buy these stocks or sell these stocks. Again, educational purposes only. Okay, with that out of the way, yeah, GameStop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have not heard or thought about GameStop in a long time after having, I think, gone in there once or twice to buy a video game a million years ago. But holy mackerel, have they dominated the financial landscape over the last couple of weeks? Well, more than just the financial landscape. I, I mean, I haven't heard about the Super Bowl at all. And as, as we sit here, it's the week before Super Bowl Sunday. And right. somehow the stock market is. Uh, a little bit more on folks' minds, which is sort of a rarity, I think. Well, and it, yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's because it goes beyond the stock market, right? This is a bigger story. So for folks who, for whatever reason, have not heard of GameStop or haven't heard of the stock market, um, Victor, do you want to give maybe just like a quick summary of how we got to where we are? Like, what's going on? Well, yeah, and and it's not. I should say it's not just GameStop. So there have been other companies that have gotten swept up, such as AMC. Of the movie theater chain and what's a movie theater? Yeah, right. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, so there have been other companies that have gotten swept up, but there's it's sort of like the the classic David and Goliath story here. You've got these, well, we'll see who who they actually are, but these folks on a Reddit thread, you know, proverbially sitting in their basement, uh, taking on Wall Street, and basically there was a coordinated effort by a bunch of folks on the internet to try and run up the price of these few stocks in an effort to hurt some of these folks who had a position that was it's called a short. So they were betting that these companies were going to do poorly. And by running up the stocks, they, they put a couple of hedge funds out of business, uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, but in the process, a lot of folks have uh, been buying and selling these companies to try and get a piece of the action, so to speak. Yeah. So for folks who don't know what Reddit is, Reddit's an online, huge online forum for many, many thousands of different subjects. And there's this one particular channel, Wall Street Beats, that I saw that a couple of hedge funds were, like Victor said, selling short GameStop, meaning they were betting that the price was going to go down. And they didn't like that. 
And so with their coordinated effort, with, you know, thousands of people just said, we're going to buy this stock no matter what, and drove the price of GameStop up such that I thought I saw somewhere that like at one point, the the, the returns of GameStop were like 1,700% in a month or just something ridiculous. And this is for a company that, uh, I, heard it I don't know. <laughs> I heard it described as the blockbuster of video games, which yeah. we all know how blockbuster went down Um, yeah not not that didn't end well so you know this is a company that from the fundamentals should not be going up 1700 percent. nobody buys video games anymore in a store i mean maybe some people do but like you buy it online now like you stream these things so fundamentals clearly not supporting a price and yet here we are right here we are and i think one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this was because when you see things happen like that, things spread really quickly, right? Word of mouth spreads really quickly. And people see, and this is part of the problem, is that with this online forum, people have been posting how well they've been doing by buying GameStop stock, right? Where they said, yeah, I started with, I don't know, $10,000, and now I've got a million. And boy, that sounds pretty good. Well, and even for folks who are so strong in their convictions and maybe don't typically make these types of bets in the market. I think I've personally seen a lot of folks who don't typically do this saying, maybe I'll buy a little bit. Right. Um, Cause I don't want to miss out. Yep. Exactly. So, miss out, right. so tempting times for folks who uh, are seeing all this going on. So even though we're talking about GameStop and AMC and these companies really, we're counter-programming today. So we're going to talk about diversification, if the, which gets which everyone's is, yeah. blood pumping, right? It's the most, more So exciting. much more exciting than buying individual stocks and going up 1,700% in three weeks. But we're and trying yet, to bring it back. We're trying yeah, to bring it back um, that's into right. vogue, like, so to speak. Let's come back to diet and exercise as opposed to um, <laughs> you know magic pills, right? All right. So- if we want to talk about diversification, it's probably worth defining what we mean first. Uh, and to sum that all up, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's the simplest possible way. Uh, and and the idea being that there are data, there's data that supports that it's really hard to pick the winners from the losers and only buy the winners. It seems simple. I'll just buy the stocks that are going to go up. And avoid the ones that are going to go down and I'll be fine. Piece of cake. But that's really difficult and no one really does it consistently over time. So the idea with diversification is we don't know where the winners and losers are going to be. So we're going to buy a little bit of everything. We're not going to shoot the lights out. We're not going to lose our shirt. We're going to be somewhere in the middle and that'll be a more reliable way to sort of get some growth, taking taking advantage of the broader market growth. Uh, to hopefully achieve some goals that you may have with those a retirement comes to mind. Yeah. I think the way that we've often talked about this, because we'll see clients come to us with concentrated holdings, right? Where there's a lot of one particular stock that makes up their portfolio. And we always come back to something that we've called the silver bullet theory, right? Don't let any one thing be the thing that dominates or controls your financial future. The challenge is that one of the easiest ways to build wealth is with a concentrated holding, right? You know, 
GameStop is probably not a great example because that's kind of a flash in the pan, but uh, Amazon has just been amazing. And if you put all your Amazon, all your money in Amazon 10 years ago, you would have a lot more money than you would if you just had a diversified portfolio. The challenge is if you don't pick the right one, it's also very easy to lose a significant amount and really damage your financial picture just because individual stocks are so much more volatile on their own than the market as a whole. Yeah. And and Ben, I'll just add that we as humans are a mess when it comes to this. Psychologically, we've got the the exact sort of behavior or characteristics that make it you get us in that position where we've got this, you know, specific stock that's quintupled and made us a ton of money. It's the exact reason why you're likely to probably hold on to it too long and lose it. So humans are a mess. Diversification tends to be the answer in summary. Right. So spreading things out, a good idea. And in fact, this is not a new concept. So, you know, thousands of years ago, people realized that this is not a great idea and that we're really bad at this. So there's actually some um, some references from biblical times. Ecclesiastes 11.12, right? So <laughs> attributed to Solomon, says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth, right? So that's a it's an allusion to bread. I think he's talking about bread, but the concept still holds, right? spread things out. Bad things happen. And if bad thing happened to the one thing that you've got, you're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. So we like the spreading things out. Um, and we think that there's good reason why even professionals should spread things out, right? Buying individual stocks is fun, but it's also really hard. Yeah. And I think one, one thing that I saw this past week, uh, from a guy named Morgan House, excuse me, a guy named Morgan Housler, who is he's a he writes a blog for the Collaborative Fund, and he's a voice. There's actually one of our book club episodes recently. We talked about a book of his, the Psychology That's of right. Money. Psychology and Money, yeah. And we talk about Morgan Housler a lot, and he's he sent this tweet that basically he said that 86 stocks, and this is a generalization. It's worth mentioning. There's more to it than this, but 86 stocks generated half of the market's returns over the last 90 years. And 96% of stocks collectively returned the same as one month treasury bills. So very little during the same period. So the punchline is that the winners make up for make up a, a vast majority of the growth. And I'll say a majority of the growth of the market as a whole, but it's a very small portion of the total. So it's hard to pick those. That's the punchline. Yeah. And so he's talking about research from uh, a professor named Hendrick. I'm going to get the name wrong. Bessenbinder at Arizona State University. And again, you know, we've got a generalization here, but to Victor's point, the outliers drive a lot. And yet, even with that knowledge that 96% of stocks collectively return the same as one month treasury bills, which is basically cash, we know that the market as a whole has done better than cash. So you're faced with a couple of choices, right? You could try to pick those 86 stocks, whatever the next ones are going to be over the next 90 years. Alternatively, you could just buy the market for pennies on the dollar using a broadly diversified mutual fund or exchange traded fund and just take what the market gives you and not have to worry about competing with not just professional people, but ridiculously fast computers and algorithms who are doing this while you're sleeping and are probably going to do better than you as an individual. Yeah, especially over any period of time. I think it's easy to maybe get lucky, right? Because 
there every everyone out there is interpreting the same information. And the way that you make money with these types of trades is you have to be right or lucky and you have to be right or lucky faster than millions of other market participants. So even people who do this for a living, professional hedge fund managers, namely the couple who are now out of business, they do this all the time. So you, you may not have the secret that you think you do. Yeah. And I think there's also the challenge of just differentiating luck and skill, right? With any sort of distribution of possible outcomes, there's always going to be people who are going to be on the really good side and the really bad side. And there's just not enough data out there to really say definitively skill exists. It might, but it's also possible that you know luck plays a much bigger role than we give it credit for, which is something that we did talk about in that Psychology of Money book uh, review, right? Um, and this exists even on the professional side, though, right? Yeah. It does. And and it's worth also mentioning that, you know, when we talk about diversification, you know, the big names, so Tesla and GameStop and AMC, all US companies. Mm-hmm. If you look at if so when we mean diversification, we're talking about global diversification. So across different countries, different markets, also different types of companies within each of those markets. So the bigger the pool you swim in. Uh, sort of the more reliability you have in your returns. Now, I do want to, I, I think before our time is up, I want to give folks a path. So we're not necessarily saying that you, if you enjoy it, you should never buy individual stocks. So I, I think we want to give a path uh, to, if if you decide that that's something you want to do, there's a way to do it and have fun if it's something that you enjoy without potentially exposing yourself. Yeah, I think we sometimes we get so caught up on the diversification side, both within asset classes and across asset classes, right? So, you know, large and small companies, international companies and all that, that we sometimes overlook the fact that like picking individual stocks can be kind of fun if you're into it, right? You get attached to a company, maybe you do well, like it's fun. And if you enjoy that, we don't want to pour cold water on something that brings you joy. We just want to do it carefully. Yeah. So, so the, the way that we, so to, to sum up, so the way that we approach this for clients who come to us and may want to continue doing this is it's generally don't risk what you have and need for retirement or whatever your goals may be for what you don't have and don't need. Right. So practically we'll say, let's take a piece a defined piece, maybe it's a percentage, say a couple of percent of your portfolio or of invest investable assets. Let's peel it off into a different account. And we'll say, this is the money that we're going to use to speculate on individual stocks. And then we set some rules up around it. So if that 1%, let's say you got getting stopped at the right time. Good for you. If that 1% turns into 5%, we'd want to trim it back to 1% at sort of a predetermined interval so that we're not all of a sudden, so so that that scenario that Ben talked about where we've got this one stock that's now a big part of the portfolio that wasn't the plan originally, but because it's it's grown, it's gotten there. That trimming back is an important part of it so that your exposure never exceeds that percentage or dollar amount that we laid out at the beginning. Yeah. And I think you also want to be careful too about which account you do this in, right? So 
If you're doing it in an after-tax account, just be mindful of capital gains, particularly if you're trading stuff and you're buying and selling for less than an interval of a year because that tax can be expensive. Maybe it's something you'd rather do in an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, you know, it used to be that trading fees played a big role in this. Now that most brokerages don't charge any commissions for stock trades, that's maybe less of a concern. But you still want to pay attention to the prices that you're buying and selling at. It's a technical term, but the spread between what somebody will sell it to you for and what somebody will buy it for can sometimes be pretty wide. And you probably, as an individual investor, not getting the best deal on that. So just things to be mindful of, but have fun as long as that fund doesn't jeopardize your long-term financial security. Yeah, That's kind of the big message, right? It is. And Ben, I mean, the the taxes and fees piece of this is a good point. And when you look at the data on professional managers, a lot of there are a, a, a much bigger percentage of professional managers can beat the market if you ignore the taxes and fees. Right. So, so they, they can do it. But if you deduct the taxes and fees and turnover, the expenses related to those things, all of a sudden, they can't get over that hurdle in terms of performance outside of their benchmarks in the market. So the same goes for us as individuals. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like me saying, like, if I jump off the roof, I can fly if you just ignore the concept of gravity. <laughs> That's a dark, uh, a, a dark way to, to put that, Ben, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, dark and painful. So just be mindful that gravity exists, just like taxes and fees um, exist, even if we don't want them to. So how do we sum this up? GameStop is fun, but dangerous if you're doing it the wrong way. Diversification is boring, but beneficial in the long run for, you know, growing and preserving wealth for 99% of the population. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there is a way to participate that doesn't risk undue part amounts of your resources. And, uh, you know, it's possible that that 1% you set aside goes to zero. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, so then you, then you've, you've played it out and you've participated. We had and, our fun. We've got to go to the gift shop now. Yeah. And, and it's, it's worth probably saying to sum it up. Um, maybe it's a decent idea to just keep scrolling through the news. <laughs> yeah. You know, may, maybe, it's fun to watch whether you're participating or not. And I know there are even folks in our industry who who do this, right? So there's nothing wrong with it, but um, it's certainly unprecedented times in some ways. And, you know, it's changed the conversation, that's for sure. Sure has. So this won't be the last time that we see these run-ups. It's going to happen again. Always does. But... For right now, we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you can follow us. I'm at WFA underscore Ben on Twitter. Victor is at WFA underscore Victor. You can email us, podcast at woodwardadvisors.com. If you have suggestions or ideas, You know, leave us a, a, a note there if you think there's something that we should talk about that we haven't talked about. Um, leave us a review if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts just because it helps other folks find the podcast. And with that, Victor... Thank you so much for joining me today as we talked about the exciting, dashing world of diversification. (laughs) Likewise, Ben.